Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And speaking of traveling the world, we've actually been traveling around South America for the last seven months, visiting each and every single country on this continent. And our last country is here in Uruguay. We're actually here in Montevideo, which is the capital, exploring the city for a few weeks, so uh, exploring the, the country for about a week or so. So make sure you check out all of our uh, travel adventures on our website, daddyblogger.com. And we just finished a virtual summit as well, where we interviewed 30 plus digital nomads, course of seven days, it was a phenomenal event. Make sure you check out that info at uh, digitalnomadmaster.com. And while we're traveling, we actually love interviewing uh, fellow digital nomads, fellow world travelers, and especially fellow entrepreneurs with a passion not just for travel, but business and travel, and finding that balance between the two. And on today's episode, we actually have a digital nomad world traveler entrepreneur who's actually uh, based in Australia, but has actually been to over 100 plus countries. So we're going to be finding out all about his travels and also all about his businesses. He actually uh, worked PMG. Apple, Microsoft, and then he's been entrepreneurial for the last few years, uh, running several different businesses. Everything from uh, his business with uh, business with Barefoot, and also Maps, and also Hidden Hostels, and a few others as well. So we're going to be finding out all about his entrepreneurial ventures and his travel ventures. Show how are you doing over there in uh, beautiful Australia today? Ricky, thank you so much for having me, um, and. Uh, Australia, where I am uh, near Yapoon in Queensland, just on the Great Barrier Reef, is stunning as always, uh, as you know. <laughs> yes, I do know because I actually spent three years in Australia and actually circumnavigated the entire perimeter of Australia, starting in Darwin, then we went to Cairns, then we went down to Brisbane, and then down to Sydney. Spent about uh, two years in Sydney doing a working holiday and then studying uh, over there. And then from Sydney, went down to Melbourne, Adelaide, and then took a train all the way to Perth. Then we went up to uh, Broome, and then from Broome uh, over to the Darwin area, the down to Alice Springs, saw Ayers Rock, and then back to Sydney, then hopped away to New Zealand. So, uh, and all, I forgot to mention, we do ACT and also Tasmania. So every state, every territory in Australia. So definitely a big advocate of travel to Australia. And I uh, love the people, love the culture, and uh, yeah, definitely a uh, big advocate of traveling there. Uh, so uh, Mark, uh, you know, uh, you're based there, but traveled around the world. Why do we get to know you a little bit better if you're going to do a quick introduction and share a little bit more about yourself? Fantastic. Thanks, Ricky. Um, well, I guess, um, I don't know, I've had such an eclectic career. Um, you know, I guess traveling has always been in my blood. It's been in my family's blood. Uh, I grew up in South Australia, uh, down in Adelaide, where, where I was based, and we had a long-term family um, history there of uh, oh, well over 100 years, which by Australian standards is, is quite a long time. But uh, we'd often go off into the countryside, and my grandmother lived out bush all the time, and we'd go exploring all the time. Um, and as, uh, as I sort of developed as a young guy and joined the Scouts and we did even, even more outdoor sort of activities and, and Dad, Dad is actually still part of the Scouting movement, um, uh, really fantastic that he's had such a lifelong attachment there. Um, I guess um, I was a sportsman as well. I, I became very good at the sport of gymnastics, ended up being in the national team. But as I was developing, you know, we would go and have competitions in other parts of Australia and then other countries and so my first overseas trip uh, was a was a hop across the ditch into New Zealand uh, where we did a, a sporting trip and then you know a year or so later it was a, a trip to Germany as part of a, 
um, quite a big, extensive training re regime, um, and it goes on from there. Um, competitions in Japan, and and uh, and from there, I guess because we, I didn't get the opportunity to to study particularly well straight out of school. Sounds a, a bit like you. You, you know, picked it up a little bit later. Um, I, I was working, and uh, as I as I went back into the workforce um, after my sporting career, I'd actually literally just uh, resigned from being a, an elite athlete and just sort of not quite sure what I was going to do with except work. I got this opportunity to um, jump on a plane and go and work in the Solomon Islands, which is a developing country off the, the top of Australia, off the, the north uh, east coast, coast there. And I remember it happened so quickly. You know, one of the bosses in the company said, um, oh, Mark, have you got a passport? I said, yes, of course. Um, he said, how'd you like to go and work in a Pacific island for three months or six months or something? I said, uh, sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> I said, when would it start? He said, you're catching the plane tomorrow. Go home and get your passport right away. <laughs> I guess that, that theme of of fast moving, being able to roll with the punches, just grabbing opportunities as it as they arrive, has been a constant factor in my travels. Um, we can all sit there as much as possible and research and look at static blogs and and understand how things are supposed to work in theory, but the world doesn't work like that. And and when you travel, you've got that on hyperdrive. So there's more and more opportunities that, are, that arrive. And I, I guess if there was one thing I, I should have done earlier. Even though I've just described grabbing an opportunity, but I wish I did more of grabbing opportunities when I was younger, yeah. uh, because they're just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the key thing is to start. It doesn't matter when, whether you're a wee young lad or whether you're an athlete like you are, or whether you're working uh, working and traveling uh, through your company, uh, or just uh, you know uh, traveling as a nomad. So I'm curious to know how have you actually hit that whole century mark? Pretty phenomenal. I'm actually at 74 countries now, and I'm definitely fantastic. Aiming my way up to that hundred, and then uh, my goal is to be the first family. Our goal is to be the first family to visit every country in the world. So we're we're getting there, country by country. But I'd uh, love to hear your story of, uh, you know, how did you actually hit the hundred plus countries? Was it um, a few major trips like covering South America or Asia or Europe? Tell us about kind of the logistical. Uh, you know, how how did you actually manage to hit that many countries logistically? Well, uh, I guess, um, so I'm 53 years of age. I've had a bit more time than uh, a few of those people. Um, and sorry, guys, the, the travel bug never leaves you. Um, it, it, it's not something you do when you're 20s and then you stop. It just, once you've got it, it keeps on going. So <laughs> I guess my sporting career and then some business careers and, and, um, and then there's conferences. And on the back of those, you throw in some extra visits to some nearby countries and you start amassing a few countries here and there. Not, not the country shopping is actually really necessary, but, but there's a whole variety of cultural changes when you change countries. And, and it's so fascinating to sort of cross a border and sort of see how things are done so differently. Um, so I remember I was doing a, uh, a conference in, um, where was I, oh, Florida, um, in Miami one day. And I thought, said, you know what? I'm going to go to Cuba afterwards. So I booked a flight over to Cuba. Uh, as an Australian, uh, as, as Canadians are, you, we're quite able to go there. Um, there's no restrictions. You just have to yes. sort of go via Mexico. So that was my first <laughs> touch of the Mexican soil. Um, 
I remember I, I spoke uh, another business career, I, uh, opportunity, business opportunity, I should say. I was speaking in South Africa about some electronic government um, activities, um, took a safari on a neighbouring three or four countries to sort of see the wildlife and, and up into Zimbabwe and, and have a look at this beautiful region in eastern Africa. By the time I got back to Australia, I was supposed to have jumped on a plane to get to America again. But I'd missed all the bookings, um, so the company said, here, just here's a couple of thousand dollars. Find your own way to New Orleans. Well, as it turned out, there was a cheap flight to Buenos Aires in Argentina, come round the wrong way. So, you know, I flew into Argentina <laughs> for a weekend, had a, had a lovely time there, then popped up through Miami into New Orleans, three weeks in the States, come back via Peru, and you know, you're just grabbing these opportunities. So, yeah, that, that return fare was $1,000. The Peruvian side trip was $100. Magnificent cheap um, add-ons. I, I guess the, the 100th country, though, uh, getting back to you, <laughs> the guts. Um, 100th country I did um, a couple of years ago. And again, it was another one of those opportunities that just arrived. I was sitting in Europe uh, doing a little bit of business before taking a month off for my 50th birthday. And, um, and a mate from Spain called me up and said, oh, Mark, Mark, I've got this big problem. Um, my friend has just broken his arm, but he was supposed to fly to China and bring my motorcycle back along the Silk Road. Now, as a motorcyclist and as a business guy, the Silk Road has been one of my dreams. Um, and he said, so Perry goes, is there any way you can help me out? Like, I'm helping him out. You know, how good does this get? And I said, Perry, I have one question. I said, when, when? And he said, oh, gave me a date. I said, it's perfect. My, my wife's about to jump back on the plane uh, the day before. I'll ride my bike, motorbike around to Barcelona. Guess what? 200 euros. I flew from Barcelona to the capital of Bishkek, uh, the capital of Kyrgyzstan, which is Bishkek, via Turkey, jumped on my mate's motorbike, and then off we went back through the Silk Road and picking up a whole lot of the central stands. So... You know, there's there's no logical planning. This this just happens quickly. What an incredible journey you've been on, and I, I love how you're able to fuse it into your business. And uh, you know, just uh, uh, jumping uh, on the motorbike doing the Silk Road. I mean, and uh, I'm sure there's some amazing adventures. And I, 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 you know, this is probably one of the hardest questions I get as well. Is like, in terms of a city, country, uh, you know, uh, attraction, uh, lasting impression on your soul and heart, Mark. Ah, uh, you know, the, the world is an amazing place. Everywhere is different. Um, there are very few negative um, places that you end up. And I guess that's part of going in with an open, positive attitude. You attract other open, positive people. So I've had amazing experiences all around the place. Um, of course, no single country stands out, but you remember those those beautiful events. Uh, you know, we were we were dancing in Kyrgyzstan with the local police after they tried to hustle us for some speeding fines. Uh, you know, it was a little bit corrupt over there. And, um, you know, we made friends with them. And we ended up partying and dancing. They shouted us beer all night. And um, uh, another one in, in Kyrgyzstan, I, I checked into the hotel and I had, I had to wait three or four days to get a visa processed. And the hotel receptionist said, you should go and stay with the local family. And I said, yeah, that would be good. Do you know any out, out on the Chinese border up in the Shan Mountains? She said, yeah, my parents are there. I went out and stayed with their family. Um, you know, wherever you go, you get amazing occurrences like that.
Yeah, definitely. And, uh, it's, those are the things that really uh, leave those memories, those uh, people you meet and those connections that you, you make. Uh, so while you've been at this uh, amazing travel adventure, you've actually been doing a whole bunch of business ventures as well. So yeah. you, you started with KMPMG, you've worked for Apple and Microsoft and major corporations, and now you've actually started five uh, companies yourself. So walk us through, uh, what was the very first company, and walk us through a little bit of your business journey to starting these five companies. Okay, so my very first company was uh, an adventure travel company here in Australia. I decided to open up a four-wheel drive tour company. Um, I thought tourism was, during my lifetime, tourism in Australia was going to be a very big career. I picked that up in university, and, and so when I had the opportunity and a pocket full of money, um, I jumped into it and developed that business a little bit differently. We, um, we started doing the first tours in this region, in the, in the high country, down the snowy mountains of Australia. Nobody else was doing it down there, but we approached it in a business manner, and I ended up have, creating some partnerships and signing up some contracts with major airlines around the world. We opened up a, an office in Silicon Valley, and, and that was our sales office. Uh, we went on to win three tourism awards and develop a, a global network, um, which traveled with some of the, the, the richest, uh, largest figures in, in social um, society. We had to take all the um, logos off our vehicles at one stage because of some of the movie stars didn't want to be seen, um, you know, highlighted with their travels into some of the back blocks. Um, and, uh, and I guess having seen how easy it is to actually start a business and grow it on an international scale gave me confidence to do that on several others. So that first business was Mud Maps. Um, and then I, as I moved into uh, coaching and, and mentoring, um, after leaving Microsoft, I, I was helping startups grow and scale around the world. We started Business in Bare Feet, where we focused on people that could build a business anywhere in the world, whether it's a developing country, whether it's a uh, first world country that's going global. It, it doesn't really matter. Um, and I guess because of that experience and our ability to be nimble and agile, and to just sort of say, yep, let's, let's grab that passport, let's get on the plane, let's go and see a customer somewhere else in the world. It, it, was, it was sort of more, um, what's the right word? It was more invigorating and faster. It was better about scaling. And so we attracted clients that were, were serious about building the business in a, in a smarter way. Um, and I guess, you know, more recently, um, having done a lot of travel, a bit like you, we know it's hard finding some of the great places to stay as digital nomads. So I have started an online travel agency booking hotels. Um, and this one's called Hidden Hostels, showing remote places all around the world. So, so that's our latest startup. We've gone MVP in the last couple of weeks and we're looking for remote hostels and hotels and B&Bs around the world ready to, to help these nomads that are staying for longer periods of time. Awesome. Uh, we'll cover that first, last one first, actually. Curious to know, uh, how do you actually find these hidden hostels? Because uh, they're hidden, so they're usually not as uh, uh, you know, findable unless you've got recommendations or word them out. But uh, tell us how you're actually listing them on your site. And you're you're, you're exactly them. right. They are hidden. They're not all that active on social. Um, it may be that they don't understand social media that much or they don't think it's worth it because they get word of mouth. So I guess, uh, first of all, I'm calling upon my own um, experience around the world. And I have a series of brand ambassadors and business partners in different parts of the world, and they recommend. 
And other nomads, like your, your clientele, they will say, listen, we've just stayed at this magnificent place at the south tip of South America, and it's a lovely family, and they really looked after us, and, and they're the sort of people that would be really good for nomads. So we get recommendations like that. And we approach them and sort of say, listen, can we send some more business your way? Um, and so we do the marketing of them uh, in their area, free of charge, and um, and we, we clip the uh, the booking ticket to earn a little bit of money as, as we sort of develop. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a classic uh, OTA, as they call it, online travel agent, but we're dealing with people that are not listed in other places or certainly not highlighted, and we approach it in a fairly, uh, fairly unique way, purpose-driven for digital nomads and remote workers. Awesome. I'll de de definitely be uh, checking that out because I'm always looking for off-the-beaten paths, and uh, one of the key things is finding that good Wi-Fi. You know, one of the struggles while we've been traveling is, uh, especially here in South America, is the Wi-Fi can be off and on, and for those of you who are regular viewers, you'll see that, you know, sometimes they'll cut in and out and, hey, you know, life is a digital man and it means you're never going to have that perfect internet. So if you're able to find these hidden gems, I'm on board. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the internet around the world is, is still developing and even here in Australia, internet is a, uh, a fledgling thing. You know, you get outside of the cities and it's actually quite difficult, um, in, even in places uh, like this, uh, city of Rockhampton, which is, you know, probably pushing 100,000 people, but it's still very, uh, very difficult. Well, I'm, I'm, it's looking good so far on this interview, so glad we're able to connect here, uh, even though I'm in a remote area of the world as well, in Uruguay, you're over there in Rockhampton, but hey, through medical technology, we're able to connect your mark. So uh, with business in Barefoot, I'm uh, really curious about that business and how uh, you, you, know, you would advise uh, people who want to start a global business, because that's exactly what we are trying to inspire people to do. A lot of people want to travel, but they have that whole money barrier, and it's a wall. They're like, ah, can't travel, got the wall in front of me, the money, the money. So what would you suggest to people who want to start this global business so they can actually literally work from the beaches of the world without any shoes or sandals on? Okay, there is a few tricks in this. Um, one of the tricks is that uh, markets come and go. Um, so having multiple income streams helps a lot. You know, when one's up, the other one might be down, and that evens out the uh, the stress factor a little. As you travel, you actually are sitting in front of the computer less time, so you can miss trends um, as well. So uh, you you need a, a system in place to automate as much of your business as possible. And I use a lot of VAs, for instance, that do work for me as much as I can do it myself, um, probably cheaper. Um, I even even I use the VAs to try and keep the momentum moving forward and people that have got more time to be scouring the internet um, and finding out the changes and, and what's happening. Um, so, firstly, you've got to design a business that's scalable. Um, scalable that you can go from one customer to 100 customers really easily. It's obviously online. Um, even if your friends back in your home country may not be doing that much online, they're walking down to a local shop, the world is definitely going online. People are shopping online. There are the techniques for selling online constantly changing. So being on top of the trends is really difficult. So you've got to tap into a brain's trust. One of the things we recommend with a lot of startup style businesses is to have an advisory board. Uh, and that's a group of individuals that you might talk to as a group once a month. Uh, they usually volunteer their time and, and they give you an insight and they give you something that you can bounce your ideas off. Um, following great coaches is another great idea. Then, 
we also moved down to this uh, environment where you can turn up in any country in the world, like Montevideo, um, and look on something like Meetup and find places that an, an event of some sort is going on, some sort of meeting place is going on. We can go find co-working spaces which are on a huge boom around the world. And you can go and bump into people that are doing something similar. So it's relatively easy to ingratiate yourself into a community these days. It's, it's not like you're walking down the street too afraid to say hello to anybody. You can build friends really quickly and easily. Uh, and as you get in the habit and you learn how to make trust uh, decisions, you can find you build friendships all around the world without even meeting people face to face. Uh, and that, for some people, that's a bit of a challenge. It, it's not historical, but, um, but but as you understand the procedures or the, the techniques in working out whether people are trustworthy, um, you can do great business and build some great friendships uh, and, and improve the, the quantity of people that you're dealing with on a day-to-day on -day basis. Awesome. Definitely some solid uh, business tips there. Uh, I love using meetups. Definitely love using co-working spaces. I love the whole idea of that scalability factor. Uh, curious to know about the whole um, uh, which business do I start because I think a lot of people get stuck up in this whole phase because uh, there's a literally idea dozen and you know you can start something new, novel, unique, or you can start something existing with your skill set. Where would you say, what would you advise someone who's thinking of getting into business and starting up for the first time? What kind of business should they start? So, so that's a very personal um, question. And the ideal business is to do something that you love that also makes money w without too much competition. Now, you've got to learn how to do that business, but, but ideally we, we want to find something that's going to sustain us over a period of time. Um, even working with the global startup community, I know that after 18 months of kicking off a business, if have people haven't made some sales and haven't been able to uh, get some momentum, they're probably going to lose interest and move on to something else. So you want to focus on being agile. Uh, one of the techniques we use is um, what's called quarterly execution plan. So we, nobody does business plans anymore. Uh, we don't write a 12-month 12 12 plan, 12-year plan, goodness. Uh, we don't do a 12-month plan. We do three months what we're going to execute. What are we going to do in this three-month period? And that's sort of roughly once a week. And you know, it sounds pretty easy, one thing to do a week. But you have to choose the right thing. That requires a lot of thinking. But I would also recommend jumping into the series of startup weekends that are held around the world look at uh, hackathons and makeathons. These events are usually inexpensive, if not free, um, all around the world, and they're designed to put you in touch with people and teach you techniques on how to rapidly get into business. Even if you do a, like a startup weekend runs for 54 hours, starts on a Friday afternoon, finishes on a Sunday night. Um, if they're not free, I haven't seen anything over about um, 80 US dollars in price, uh, which includes you know, food and usually alcohol and, and all that sort of stuff. And so very inexpensive and you get to, to work with a team to create a business in a weekend. And that may sound daunting, but having done 11, 12 of these, you know, I know it's very, very possible. And, you know, almost all of them make sales in a weekend, let alone get investment. So, so being confident in the skills by working with others that are teaching you is a really good way of doing it. Ultimately, the choice of what you do will be one of yours, uh, one of your passions. And I guess, you know, start big, you know, aim big, design it to be global from day one. 
Um, ultimately, you've got to service, uh, uh, solve a problem for somebody or service a particular market. But today, with what, 3 billion people connected to the internet, any tiny niche is big enough on a global scale to make a lot of money. So uh, it's, it's anything you want to do, there is a potential. Yeah, yeah, it, it, I know it is definitely the, the personal angle there, and I, I love the, the whole thing about follow your passions, but also solving that problem global in, uh, you know, dream big these stages. I, I love on your website, actually, Mark, uh, you have a great tagline, business is an adventure, and I haven't really heard it that way about the analogy between entrepreneurship and travel, but walk us through, uh, dissect that a little bit. How are those two similar? Well, just as you arrive in a new town and you're sitting there at a set of traffic lights maybe, trying to figure out whether you go left or right, where you go, you might not have uh, a local cell, you might not have any internet, you, you, your apps and stuff don't work, and you've actually got to open your eyes and look around and make a decision. It's a bit of an adventure. You've, you've got to take a bit of a punt, um, and that's okay. In business, it's pretty much the same. You know, you go ahead and create something, um, usually, and, and then you sort of say, where's the customer? We're actually trying to reverse that in, in, in agile training, but you know, this is often the way it's done. And, and you sort of got to go and observe, and it's an adventure. And you just want to, want to do more of it faster and faster and faster. You, you want to try and um, uh, find the weaknesses in what you're doing quickly, so that you can make corrections and try again, and try again, and try again very, very quickly. So it's about speed, and and that's adventurous. It's it's energetic. It's passionate, and and ultimately, you'll find that you solve a market which you may not have even considered. You've you've found a need that you you didn't theoretically work out when you did your initial strategies or anything like that, and and that's the adventure. Is that you find things you weren't expecting. Um, as our tagline on Hidden Hostels is, um, we say. Unexpected adventures start in unexpected places. Beautiful, beautiful. Love the tagline. So, Mark, uh, curious to know about your vision forward. Uh, you've been to these 100-plus countries. You've started these uh, several different businesses. What does uh, 2018 and beyond hold for you in terms of both life, travel, and, of course, business? Well, um, it's, it's going bigger and better. We've obviously got a lot of work with Hidden Hostels, which has only just uh, gone into its first release. Um, so we're building up our client base, we're building up our uh, hostel base and hotel base around the world to get that moving. We've got a lot of learning yet to be done. Um, we're engaging with more and more startups. Uh, we've got more and more um, mentoring going on. And uh, as you may have seen, I, I mentor all around the world. I've just picked up another client in the UK, another one in India. I've got a call this afternoon with another one in the Philippines, trying to help these people get into business faster and faster. Um, so we're going to be engaging with more and more people, and we're going to be helping them get somewhere valuable faster. Um, we're going to keep traveling. I guess we've been on the road full time now. We for what, uh, two and a half years. Uh, we sold up everything in our last place, which was in a lovely part of Australia called Noosa. Um, and we've been traveling in a four drive and a rooftop tent and, and that flexibility just means we can turn around and go from somewhere to somewhere. So you know, last weekend we said we got invited to go do a, a hackathon from an Israeli company down at a place called Bundaberg, which is about four hours drive south of here. So we just picked up and went down there. Um, while we're there, we 
hooked up with a mate that we'd sort of met a few months before. We started giving him some advice. I think we're actually going to start another startup now, but anyway. Um, we did this hackathon and then a, a new client that's doing a, a game for uh, refugees and new entrants into different countries back in Rockhampton said, hey, I need a meeting with you. So we just turned around and we drove up the road and we did a workshop with he and his team, including Skyping and his business partners. So that, that flexibility we really love because we get to go and explore and meet new people. And, and, and people underestimate this, that as you travel as a nomad, you're actually meeting more and more people and new people than what you'd normally do in an office environment or, or a staid uh, city environment. So it's, it's very empowering, very passion forming, um, and, and it's just wonderful. Awesome. You're definitely doing some good work there, uh, helping inspire people in their business and also supporting them in those difficult times. So if uh, some of our viewers and listeners wanted to connect with you, Mark, uh, both on the travel side but also on the business side to get some coaching and mentoring and uh, you know, uh, get some support from you, how can they connect with you and how can they find you? I know you have several different websites. <laughs> uh, yes, we. in fact, we've got a website development company as well in the background, so I think we're Rather 150 domains or something. Anyway, um, by far the easiest is to go to businessinbarefeet.com. Businessinbarefeet.com is our, our global uh, nomad mentoring site and nomad and startup mentoring site. And we can work out from there what's the best way to, um, to assist you. We obviously have a whole lot of free and useful information. You'll find us on all the social media from um, Instagram to Twitter and, and uh, LinkedIn, etc. Um, and we're able to help. You know, we've just been looking at, at opportunities in the Middle East because that's going off at the moment. Um, Dubai and Oman, you know, it'd be great to get over there and help some, some people there uh, get off the ground, for instance. Awesome. Well, it's definitely great to connect with you and uh, talk all about travel and business, uh, two of my favorite topics. So uh, great to connect to you, Mark, and I uh, look forward to connecting again, my friend. Fantastic, Ricky. You enjoy your travels as well. See you next time. See you next time. And uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode. Make sure you connect with Mark. I'll actually have that link below. Uh, he's definitely a great wealth of info, expertise, and experience. Make sure you check it out at Business in Bare Feet. Business in Bare .com. And make sure you follow us along as well, daddyblogger.com and also digitalnomadmastery.com. So thanks, everyone, for tuning out here from beautiful Uruguay and from beautiful Australia. And happy travels. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.